It is Friday, so let's have some fun here, huh? We're talking football, we're talking basketball, and we're power ranking some of the best bars in South Bend on this week's Mailbag episode, coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Friday, April 7th. So happy Friday to all of you and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, this show is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So whether you're watching or listening, please subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports HQ in L.A. Today, I'll be answering questions submitted by you in this week's Mailbag episode. You guys sent in some great questions covering a bunch of different topics, so thank you, thank you to those of you who sent those in. I'm going to try and make the mailbag a routine thing, maybe do it once a week or maybe once every other week. I'll probably have Luke come on and do some of these too from time to time because they're just a whole lot of fun, and I'm still figuring it all out. But if you have a question and you want to answer it on future shows, you can send it to at Irish on Twitter or the at Pod on Instagram or my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Okay, let's start with some questions about the football team. Uh, this first one comes from at Take a Gander Son. Which game are you most looking forward to this season? And honestly, there's plenty of good options to choose from, which hasn't always been the case for Notre Dame in recent years. I mean, you got the season opener against Navy in Dublin, Ireland. I'm going to be at that game with my family. I'm super excited about that. We've This is going to be our third planned trip to Ireland. Uh, the first two have been canceled. The first one was a long time ago. But that was because uh, my travel baseball team made it to Cooperstown. The second time was because of COVID. But a third time's a charm, hopefully, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And then you've got Ohio State at home, green jerseys, all that. That's going to be a huge game for a ton of different reasons. Um, and then this is a personal one. Notre Dame plays Louisville at Louisville. I'm from there. I'd love to go back and be able to attend that game. I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, that game is going to mean a lot to me and a lot of my friends as well from high school. I'm sure that uh, if Notre Dame doesn't blow them out, I'm going to hear it. So Notre Dame better do that. And then obviously USC at home, that's going to be a huge one. Caleb Williams coming to town. And then here's a sneaky one, Pitt at home. And I'm really only bringing that up because two of Notre Dame's biggest haters, maybe ever, in Phil Dracovic and Pat Narduzzi will be coming to town. So how sweet it would be to knock them out and blow them out. That'd be great. And then on the road, you got Clemson and Death Valley. So a pretty loaded schedule. But for me, it's got to be USC at home. Uh, they're the, our biggest rival. And it's going to be interesting seeing Caleb Williams play at Notre Dame Stadium because I'm having a hard time remembering a bigger villain coming into South Bend, where the whole stadium is going to be going so hard against him. I mean, it could have been the case in 2020 against Clemson had Trevor Lawrence played and had fans been able to go to that game, but it's been a while. It's going to be similar to the 2005 game, in my opinion. I think there's going to be huge stakes in that game. It's going to be the biggest game between those two teams in a really long time. Um, Obviously, the Ohio State game is going to be a ton of fun, and it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I think there's going to be a lot of Ohio State fans at that game, but playing your arch rival at home in the biggest game in the rivalry and maybe the past two decades, uh, that's going to take the cake for me. So I'm going USC for this season. All right, what do we got next here? (laughs) This one comes from Scott Wojak. I think I'm familiar with that guy. Uh, Who will throw for more passing yards this season, Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner? That's a good one. Uh, (laughs) I know why he asked that, but uh, this is basically a question of whether or not Drew Pine is going to get playing time at Arizona State this season because – 
barring an injury to Sam Hartman, I don't really expect we'll see Tyler Buckner throw the ball a lot this season. He might play. He'll probably come in some run-oriented packages. But Arizona State's new head coach, Kenny Dillingham, uh, the former offensive coordinator at Oregon, he's got a really interesting situation going on down there at Arizona State. He actually said in December that Trenton Borke would be the starter entering spring ball. That's not saying he's going to be the starter for this season. But Arizona State has six quarterbacks, six on the roster right now. Three of those guys were returners from last season. One is incoming freshman, Jane Rashada, who you might have heard about. He was a part of that big NIL fiasco at Florida where he was allegedly promised $13 million and then pretty close to signing that. That deal fell through, and then he opted to decommit. Or I think he even was granted his release from his national letter of intent. I don't remember the, spe- the specifics there. But anyway, he ended up going to Arizona State. Um, it was a big deal, but he was a really highly touted recruit. So I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure that Drew Pine was probably promised some good chance at playing this year. But uh, to put it frankly, <laughs> I don't think Drew Pine is going to beat out five other college quarterbacks on that roster, even if it's Arizona State. So I'm going to take Tyler Buckner here by a slim margin. Okay, this next one comes from at Will Austin Found. With it being the Masters weekend, what do you think are the best green jerseys? Okay, to me, this one is easy. Like, I'm taking the dark green jerseys that uh, with the gold numbers from the Charlie Weiss era. They wore them for the first time against USC in 2005. And, man, do they look clean coming out of the tunnel in those. I don't really like the green jerseys that Notre Dame has been wearing since Under Armour took over, which uh, is kind of synonymous with a lot of my opinions about Under Armour. But I just don't like the shade of green that they chose. And then I really don't like the blue numbering with the green shade, I don't really think green and blue go together all that well. Green and gold, different story. I think those two colors go together great. And uh, I would love to see Notre Dame bring back that shade of Kelly green and then bring back the gold numbers. Maybe I'll give Under Armour a different uh, different look there if they decide to go that route. Another one, uh, the throwback jerseys they wore against USC in 2007, those were super sweet. I see those jerseys all the time at pretty much every game around campus still, so I'm sure that they sold a whole lot of those, and, and they look really good. But the problem is Notre Dame lost 38 to nothing in that game wearing those jerseys. It was the most lopsided uh, game in the history of the rivalry. So when I see those jerseys, I get PTSD from watching Evan Sharpley try to take out uh, USC when they were like at the peak of their powers. So for that reason, uh, I can't give them the nod here. So I'm taking the dark green jerseys that they wore way back during the Adidas days in like 05 through 06. Okay, next up we got at Hazard Boy who wants to know, who are some of your favorite Notre Dame football players growing up? So my first one is kind of random. My first favorite football player in Notre Dame was actually Vontez Duff. I'm not totally sure why. I was probably six years old. Yeah, I was six years old during that 2002 season. He had that punt return for a touchdown against Maryland. That was one of my earliest memories of Notre Dame football, and I just loved him uh, for some reason. I even wanted his gloves. Like I asked my dad if we could go to the, uh, what was it? It wasn't Dick's Sporting Goods. It was MC Sports in Ohio. Yeah, I wanted to get those exact gloves. I wanted to be Vontez Duff. I was really shooting for the stars there. Uh, No offense to Vontez. You were awesome. You were a great Notre Dame football player. Um, And then as I got a little bit older, obviously those teams from 05 and 06, those guys were like superheroes, man. Like Brady Quinn, obviously, Tom Zubikowski, Jeff Samarja, and Darius Walker. All of those guys were like larger-than-life figures, and I think it's because, one— 
Notre Dame was really good for for the first time in my life. Like that 2002 season was a bit of fool's gold because they started off looking great. I mean, Tyron Willingham was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but yet I think the defense and special teams are outscoring the offense. So we found out against Boston College that maybe that team wasn't that good and turned out to be true. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if those 05 and 06 teams were all that great compared to some of the best teams from the past decade. But Given the circumstances, given how bad Notre Dame had been in the years prior, when they came on, it was awesome. Brady Quinn, obviously, big personality. Samarja Zibikowski was just, I mean, he was the man. The pro boxing aspect, of he, the fact that he hit so hard as a safety but also returned punts and refused to fair catch anything, they were just awesome. They were really like superheroes to me as a kid. And then my last like favorite player, because once I got older and I was those guys' age, it, it didn't feel the same. Um, but I also really liked Robbie Toma. Because he was a five foot nine slot receiver, and that was at the same time that I was really getting going in high school football. So I sort of admired him and loved the fact that he had a role on that team, especially in 2012 when Notre Dame was really good that year. And you know they had that unbelievable, magical, undefeated regular season. And Toma was getting some serious run. Like I wanted to be what Robbie Toma was to that team, to my high school team. So I really liked him as well. Kind of a different one, um, but yeah. So those are my guys. I got Vontez, Brady Quinn. Tom Zabikowski, Jeff Samarge, Darius Walker, and uh, Robbie Toma in there as well. All right, that's it for the football questions. We'll switch over to basketball coming up after this. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes made. For my pick tonight, I'm taking the Bulls to cover. Uh, I think they're plus eight against the Mavericks on FanDuel, so go take that. Take the Bulls. That's my pick for the night. Uh, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Today, we're doing another mailbag episode. And now let's shift gears here to some basketball questions. This one comes from at Chris Miller. With the rise of Caitlin Clark and women's basketball ratings, do you see Notre Dame investing more in women's sports? To be honest, I feel like Notre Dame invests a lot in women's sports, especially compared to some other big-time schools, and specifically basketball. I mean, if you've never been to a women's basketball game at Notre Dame, I encourage you to go check one of those out because they're a pretty rowdy time. I mean, they... People pack the stands. It's a lot of people from the South Bend community. They love their Irish women's hoops, and for good reason. I mean, Coach Neil Ivey's team has been awesome uh, since she took over, and then Muffet McGraw, the legend, she had the Irish just, I mean, they were just such a dominant team for years going up against UConn. That national championship run with Enrique Agumbawale, uh, that was awesome. And that was one thing that I feel like was kind of getting lost in the Caitlin Clark saga. And don't get me wrong, Caitlin Clark is unbelievable. Angel Reese at LSU, also great. And it's great to see that the women's game is getting so much attention. But I think people are forgetting how awesome of a stretch that was for Notre Dame and women's basketball as a whole. I mean, she hit two game winners, one in the Final Four and then one in the National Championship. I mean, that was crazy, and that was getting a lot of love nationally. So I, as much as I am happy for Caitlin Clark, I don't want us to forget about Enrique because she was awesome. Um, as for the other women's sports at Notre Dame, I was actually a color commentator from the for the softball team when I was a student there. Those games were a ton of fun. I did those with uh, Nick Valdeseri, who's like the director of recruiting now at Vanderbilt. So shout out to him. We had a really good time in the booth doing that. That was my first time ever getting in front of a microphone and and uh, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty nervous because 
there was pretty good turnout for those games. I knew people were listening, so I was grateful to be a part of that. That was a really great experience. Um, as for the, some of the other ones, I believe, yeah, women's soccer at Notre Dame is always really good. They, they were like 17-3 last season. Um, so was women's lacrosse. Volleyball has taken a dip in recent years, as far as I know, but they were pretty good back in the day. Uh, shout out to Ryan DeGerald and Meg Morningstar, two uh, former women's volleyball players that are good friends of mine. Uh, so, yeah, I think Notre Dame is doing a good job with women's sports, but I could see them investing a little bit more, uh, even in basketball, too, because I think Notre Dame is right on the cusp there uh, of being back in it, contending for a national championship. Okay, uh, <laughs> this one comes from Charlie Wooding. Uh, any chance we land Amani Bates in the transfer market? I'm leaning no, <laughs> but I guess it's possible. Uh, no, it's actually not possible at all. There is no chance that Imani Bates is coming to Notre Dame. If you're not familiar with Imani Bates, um, how would I even describe him? At one point, people were calling him the next LeBron, which, I mean, how many the next LeBrons have there been? Uh, I mean, Andrew Wiggins was one. I mean, there's been so many guys who just flamed out. I think Jabari Parker, people were even comparing him to LeBron. Obviously, none of those guys are LeBron, uh, but maybe Victor Wembanyama. He might actually be the closest thing to LeBron in terms of like a surefire draft prospect, but I'm getting away from the point here. Uh, Imani Bates, he went to Memphis. Again, highly tied recruit, big-time player, and then his whole thing at Memphis was so weird. He like disappeared from the team for a little bit, and then he transferred, and no one, no big schools picked him up, so he ended up at Eastern Michigan, and uh, I think he did pretty well there. But, yeah, I don't think uh, Notre Dame is really going to be in the Imani Bates market anytime soon. But you never know. Maybe maybe, maybe Micah Shrewsbury has a connection there. Um, okay, coming up next, we got uh, – this one comes from at Lee Daniels. Have your expectations changed for the 2023 men's basketball season with Micah Shrewsbury on board? My expectations for the future of the programs have certainly changed. I'm a lot more optimistic now uh, than I was a few weeks ago. But as for this upcoming season, I don't want to get our hopes up because I it's let me let me put it this way. It's nice to have recruits going to Notre Dame. It looks like Notre Dame's gonna get pretty much in all of Penn State's recruits that were planning to go there. Uh, they're gonna all follow Shrewsbury to Notre Dame. That's what it looks like right now. And uh, that's really good. That's good for the future. But Notre Dame is gonna need several really talented grad transfers to come in before I even entertain the idea of this team making the tournament. I mean, if you watched Notre Dame basketball this past season, you saw how bad they were, and then all of their main contributors are gone. It's not like Mike Bray recruited at a really high level as of late. The one guy he did get, J.J. Sarling, is now at Syracuse. So I don't have super high hopes for this upcoming season, but I guess I would say that my expectations for the program, I think a few weeks ago I said uh, with Luke Smith on the show that I expected Notre Dame to be back in the tournament in like not this upcoming season or the one after that, but the following one, I think now with Shrewsbury and the way modern basketball works with the transfer portal and all that, I think that Notre Dame will be better this season. Hopefully they can't really be that much worse. And then the following season, I actually think that by that point, there'll be enough guys in the team, enough talented players in the roster that Notre Dame will actually, actually be able to get back into the NCAA tournament, which would be pretty impressive for Shrewsbury to do that in just two years. But that is what he was able to do at Penn State. Uh, so I have ho high hopes for him, just not so much for this upcoming season. All right, coming up next, we'll wrap up the show with some fun questions. Uh, I really love these, so stay tuned. All right, before we wrap this up here, Big Red 47 wants us to power rank these three South Bend bars. Ulf's, which I assume is Old Finney's, and that just shows you how old I am now. I'm 26, uh, about to be 27, but we called it Old Finney's back in the day. But the true name is uh, actually the Blarney Stone, but they, they, 
They called it uh, Old Finney's because I think that's what it used to be and changed ownership. Anyway, the second one is Brothers, and the third bar is the linebacker. So if you're not familiar, if you didn't go to Notre Dame or you haven't been able to visit South Bend recently, I'll give you uh, a rundown of all three real quick. So Old Finney's is a bar for older students. Uh, they've got giant beers, which I liked. Um, the best night I had there was actually in the upstairs area that they rarely open. Uh, if you've been to Old Finney's, you know what I'm talking about. Me and a few of my buddies had some friends visiting that weekend for the Notre Dame-Miami game my senior year. We might have played Flip Cup for like two to three hours, but it's a good time. They've got a good dance floor. But again, bar for older students, so you really only have like one year during your time there where you can actually get into that place. As for brothers... I've got a love-hate relationship with brothers. Like, they've got everything going for it in terms of location, price, and, like, the deals they offer. And they have this outdoor patio. And on a sunny day, brothers is just the best. The problem is their service is so impossibly bad, it, like, ruins the entire experience. Some of the worst experience I've had at any restaurant, like, if I were to do the top three, I think all three were at brothers. Sometimes the waiters... They don't ever serve you, and then sometimes the food that they serve you, it's so hit or miss. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's terrible. Like, you really never know what you're going to get. But I did have a lot of great times with me and my buddies outside on the patio on a nice day. So I do. it does have that going for it. We went there a lot, especially Wednesday night. They'd have wing night. That was always great. Um, and then for the linebacker, that's a staple that I'm sure everyone listening to listening to this podcast has probably heard about it. It's a staple around campus. It's definitely the most famous of any of these three. But I actually didn't go there as much when I was a student. Um, I feel like it's a place for people visiting Notre Dame, um, not as much for the actual students. That That's not to say that I didn't ever go there when I was a student because I did. Um, especially on like football weekends and stuff. When a lot of people were in town, they'd want to go to the backer. And I get it. It's right by campus. It's right by the stadium. It's been there forever. And it's a great classic college dive bar. Um, but I just didn't go there a ton. Uh, but that's, not, yeah, I really liked the bar. So if I were to power rank them, I'm going to go, I can't even believe I'm saying this, out of the three, I wouldn't say out of all the bars in South Bend, but out of the three that were offered here, I'm going to go Brothers 1, Linebacker two and Old Finney's three. Uh, yeah, I think that's my three. All right, this next one, last question. This one comes from at Dale Stan. Favorite place to eat in South Bend? All right, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna include like Mishawaka in the Michiana area uh, since it's so close to South Bend, and they've got a lot more restaurants than like the true South Bend area. But my favorite restaurant, like the best meal I ever had in that area, was at Carmela's. It's an Italian place downtown. They've got awesome lobster ravioli. I actually, the first time I went there, my dad was in town, and uh, it was a weeknight. Just We went out to get dinner, and we went to Carmela's, and it was snowing so much. It, it sounded like the roof was going to cave in. Um, but we probably shouldn't have been out, given how bad the conditions were. It was just like just one of those South Bend winter days where it just snows and snows and snows and never stops. But uh, it was a phenomenal meal. I think I went back there two more times. I'd love to get back. So that was that was probably one of the best meals I've had. Corn Dance is a great restaurant, uh, really good food, but a little bit fancy, a little bit more pricey than some of the other ones. I, I think I only went there one time. Uh, I went with my mom once. It was a great meal, but I wouldn't – it's not like a place you're going to go to that often, but for special occasions, Corn Dance is definitely a good spot. So if you're looking for something affordable and close to campus, just go to Rocco's Pizza. 
Um, it's awesome. It's got really good pizza, great vibes inside. There's a bunch of cool memorabilia in there. Uh, and it's just a staple in the South Bend community. Um, I've had some really good memories there, and it's just a really great place to eat, good place to hang out. Uh, good luck trying to get in there during a football weekend. It's it's insanely packed every time, and I think that tells you why. It's uh, good food, good service, everything you want um, out of a restaurant, especially near a college town. So that's my pick. Uh, but that's a wrap for this episode, and that'll do it for this week on Locked On Irish. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. I will be back on Tuesday of next week. There will be no episode on Monday morning because of Easter. So. Enjoy the holy weekend if you celebrate. And hey, on the way out, don't forget to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler W O J C I A K. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. I will see you guys on Tuesday.